Calgary, Alberta, former home of Bob's Books, a charming little store that used to be on the Trans-Canada Highway, just a ways up from Phoenix Comics, and that cool movie poster store, which is also gone. Uh, I bought a lot of Peanuts comics there, but also some real books. Well, James Bond, mostly. I'm Nathan Rohr, and I blame Amazon for ruining the used bookstore scene in this city, and I'm joined, as always, by Ryan McCullough. Hey there, Ryan here. Um, The used bookstore is not doing terrible here in Calgary. It's just kind of went a little bit bigger than you're probably used to. Is there just two fairs fairs and that's it? Yeah, there's just two fairs fairs. And it's not even There used great. to be even more of those. It's true. Honestly, I yeah. I like small towns for this very purpose. Like they just have better, like have like used bookstores in small towns. It's just a thing. So I actually enjoy I it. I guess so. It's just I have to f- travel further afield than normal. So I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I kind of miss it. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, that Phoenix Comics is the first comic book store I ever went to as a kid. So I had the that. one on 16th, but I don't even like, like it that the... much. Yeah, it's like not doesn't want to be. I just went a couple weeks ago, and it does not want to be a comic book store at all anymore. It's kind of a magic store, isn't it? Yeah, like even their basement used to be where they had all their back catalog, and they cut it down, and now it's all like pop figures and anime stuff. And then mm. when you get upstairs, it's like like I went for cre- free comic book day, which is like a big event for comic book stores because they get new people off the street and they put out like almost 40 free titles for people to choose from and i think phoenix chose to put out 10 of them and like i had to go up into the second floor to a dude just sitting at a table and all these free comic books were on another table and he was just like yeah okay go ahead and i went over and just grabbed two books and then i went down the stairs and left and i was like this is weird like it wasn't even on the main level as you walked in. You had to, I had to ask to where they were. So, so they kind of don't care anymore. Oh, not uh, at all. But I think it, are it's, there any stores that closed that you miss? That's really the direction I was hoping to go in. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I mentioned Phoenix kind of just for location. Yeah, for, for my sure. Bookstore that I loved. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Sundance Video was the one I miss the most. Sundance. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I live in Minnipore growing up, and Sundance is the neighborhood next door. And just a bl- I was a block away from Sundance, and a strip mall. And at that strip mall, there was a video store called Sundance Video, where up mm. until the very end, they were renting VHS, so you can get like all those hard to find movies on VHS. Man, I wanted Casablanca to figure something out to succeed past moving. Well, they they I even there. said they were going to come back, and they just never did. Well, they kind of consolidated to this one location on McLeod, and I went there once and was like fervently looking for anything, any reason to buy anything. Yeah. And it was just like, ah, there's just nothing here. Like, I I ended up leaving with like Dog Day Afternoon on Blu-ray. And I was like, sure, this is a good movie. I'll (laughs) buy it. And that was it. And it was like, I don't want to sign up for a card and like rent Sidney Lumet movies like way down here. And then have to drive back like in five well, days that, okay, or whatever. When they were last in Martel Loop, uh, and I, I'd go. Yeah, it was not like they were moving more and more and more towards like just being like, here's the popular movies. Here's the I remember the Avengers being out on display and being like, oh, you come rent the Avengers. I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of like not what I want to do when I'm here. Yeah. No, they. Like when they were closing and changing locations and stuff, I bought some Criterions there. Yeah. Uh, but that's really the kind of weird stuff I was looking to do. I think it was just kind of like this sad realization that like the rental model really couldn't succeed anymore. 
because it was that inconvenient to me. And I was like a film nut. Yeah, I think like I have to like drive over here. This is dumb. I don't know if that's accurate, though, because people rent stuff from the library all the time. Like, I know tons and tons of people that watch movies and TV shows from the library nonstop. Hmm. I just think- I find I'm like I was basically not using my library account forever until I was able to digitally get stuff. And then since they stopped having Hoopla, I've been kind of bummed out. Like with the library, it's yeah. like just sign up again. Like I want to stream this and I can't now. I have to go get a disc. Oh, so there's just maybe a resurgence. I'm not the norm, but there's a resurgence in some forms of physical media that I'm just I'm noticing because like you can stream all the music for like for really cheap on Spotify, but why is the record sales like LP sales skyrocketing right now? Yeah, I guess so. Like. Th- I, I only buy an LP when I like this is like a album I really care about and I want to have it physically in my sure. house. But there's a but lot of people really that rare. just they'll go every week and buy everything new. Like they'll just buy stuff because they want like they genuinely believe in the medium type of thing. Huh. So I don't like record Sunrise Records. I was talking to my friend who's like from HMV that's still managing Sunrise Records and like L like vinyl is the thing keeping Sunrise afloat. Sure, I guess I could see that. And it's like, yeah. that's a whole franchise Canada-wide. The reason why they're not going, going under is because the, like, they're still able to compete with everybody is because they have vinyl. Like It wasn't me buying that Shining shirt like eight months ago <laughs> or, or two years ago. Oh, I bought Matrix there. That that happened. That was the last reason I was there. That would have been full price Matrix too, huh? That's expensive. Yeah, but it came with some exclusive cards. Oh, okay. So, okay. so you got that like extra P. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, great. Uh, no, yeah. Honestly, I'm just like the stores I miss are like like honestly video rental stores. Like going and not knowing what I want to watch because right now it's like, hey, let's just scroll endlessly through all the different apps and things like that, and it's like. But like when you go somewhere, you have like a timeline. Like it's like we have to, we can't stand here for four hours. But I could sit on the couch and scroll <laughs> through Netflix and be like, no, 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 and then eventually not watch anything. Whereas like if you go to Blockbuster, you're like literally there, and you're like, well, I'm not leaving without nothing. Like this is a what a pointless trip this would have been. So you grab something mm-hmm. and you go home and you watch it. I don't know. I have a lot of. I apathy. guess it still had a novelty. I I guess I need it to be in really close proximity to where I am. Yeah, I don't have that as a thing. I drive across the city for my, my my local like multiplex. Like, I'm like, no, I wanna, I want like that ideal experience. I'll I'll go out of my way to have that ideal experience. So, okay, yeah. So just yeah, my neighborhood blockbuster was like a spirited walk away. Like it was a couple blocks. So when, that's where I was going. Like as a kid. No, from Ross Carrick. Like, oh, the that one wasn't I worked that at. much of a walk. That was a pretty. That was closer than my blockbuster was, and Rogers. That's what I'm saying. It's like nearby. Oh, that's right. A spirited sounds to me like just had to like. No, whereas I'm saying like the the great stuff here was like video game trader used to be like across the alley. Yeah, <laughs> or whatever. True. You still like, have, I could you still just have wander uh, over there. You you still have the shell that is level up. I do, but they've like diminished a lot of their older inventory. Yeah, that's why I said the I shell that is level up. Like they are a shell of what they used to be. Yeah, a lot of like clothing and Funko Pops and stuff there too. So and like yeah. even like the like the video game focus is not nearly as big as they used to be too. Like 
yeah, last time I was in there, it's like, yo, you got original Xbox games? And it's like, yeah, right there. And it's like, oh, wow, yeah, there's like 15 games here. <laughs> and they don't have the one I want, obviously, so goodbye. Yeah, I, I mean, so, I, yeah. I go out of my way to go to, to Video Game Trader. Like, I order that stuff from there because that's where I get a lot of my specialty stuff. Like, is that's overpriced on Amazon. So I'll go to Video yeah. Game Trader and order stuff there quite a bit. So I'm there like at least once a month. So, I mean, I'm still making those trips out to the specialty stores to make sure that they're... Mm-hmm. And I drive across the city for my comic book store, too. Like, I there's I literally live down... Like, the Phoenix... There's a Phoenix on 17th, and I live a block I off know. of 17th. And I drive yeah. all the way north to Tuxedo in Calgary to go to my comic book store. I think I pass, yeah. like, three comic book stores on the way to my comic book store. So, anyways. So, yeah, I'm a... It, the like I appreciate that that's that your thing like you like to be like that cloak localness but I've always kind of just seen Calgary like Calgary's like my big local like I'm a big local guy like I have a and big if you don't umbrella. mind driving no I, I don't guess. and I like I like driving so this actually works out well for me so mm-hmm. anyways brick and mortar stores pardon yeah brick and mortar brick and stores. mortar I do I like brick and mortar I I can't tell you this last week we ordered. We did, we just ordered our third of something from Amazon and had to send back the first two because they came damaged or missing parts. And I was just like, yeah, this is exactly why I love Amazon. And then when you return stuff on Amazon, it is way worse than returning something for like Walmart or something like that. Cause I have to have a printer, I have to take it to a sketchy like corner store that says, yeah, just leave the package on the floor. And I'm like, what do you mean? Leave the package on the floor. It's like, yeah, I'll grab it later. I'm like, but I, <laughs> this is. <laughs> Oh, the weird network of like corner stores you'd never go to that are somehow affiliated with Amazon. That well, was another thing. Like, I I, this, it's all these pure later stops now because Amazon got rid of their Canada Post like contract. Ugh. Yeah. And so like, I have a mail. I have a post office right near here in a well, shopping. And the drug post mart. office like did not mind going there. You have but... to go and check it in. Like you have to hand it to somebody and they scan it for you. Whereas this mm-hmm. guy was literally, I walked in with two packages. Both of them are $150 of product each. And yeah. he's just like, yeah, just leave them on the ground. I'll get to them in a second. I'm like, uh, just just leave, just leave them on the ground. He's like, yeah, just leave them on the ground right there. I'll grab them in a it's second. like, all right, can you sign something saying you said that so that if someone takes them, <laughs> but this is it's what on I mean. you? Like, if I have a problem yeah. when I go to Walmart, I go back to Walmart and I give it to them. But guess what? It, sh- it probably shouldn't have been my problem in the first place because I couldn't like hold the, a thing in front of me and look at it and be like, oh, look, this thing's been banged up a bunch of time i'm not going to buy this one i'm going to put it back mm-hmm. that's not what happens with amazon anyways griping about amazon it is not as convenient as people think i get grumpy about this stuff because i'm like i have control when i go to walmart i have zero control when i go to amazon because it's just like some dude could grab whatever they want off the shelf and then somebody can kick it around like i've seen delivery guys deal with packages and it's just like 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 basketball shots, like three pointers in the back of the truck. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, since the ring doorbell cams, there's been tons of great footage of porch pirates, I guess. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. There's one I saw of a video of this where this guy was getting his new PC setup delivered and it was by a UPS driver and it was literally mm-hmm. thrown. Like the lady was carrying it and she threw it onto the porch. 
we didn't have that happen, but we bought a new TV via Costco yeah. and it ended up at like a neighbor's house just like outside, <laughs> like on their on their porch. And fortunately, they were really cool and told us <laughs> and helped us like carry it back here. But like they had no reason to do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like free TV. Some person <laughs> bought you. But I mean, but... in that situation, like I actually almost prefer that situation because like oftentimes they would del- Amazon delivers to our neighbors and I'm like. Our neighbor could just like keep it and then I call Amazon and they say, my neighbor kept it. And they're like, oh, we'll send you another one. And I'm like, I kind of always wish it was like the expensive thing my neighbor kept, not the like, or like went missing, but it's never. So if your TV went missing, Costco would have to like replace it. And that's like a huge Mm -hmm. hit on Costco. So yeah. Anyways. Hey, this is a more grumpy conversation than I thought it was going to be. So. (laughs) All right. Let's, let's change gears here. Anyways, I'm Ryan. This is Nathan. I think we're, we're going to chat movies eventually. That's right. Uh, this week is our last look at Will Ferrell. Well, this batch of his movies, anyway. Uh, each of us will list the eight films we watched in ascending order of preference, and we will see just how similar our senses of humor are. Uh, I prefer. Oh, I performed the opening kick the last time we did this on Ebert Island, so it's Ryan's turn to run fervently down the proverbial football field and boot that pigskin <laughs> as deep into en- enemy territory as he can. Yeah. Are you ready for some football? I, I am ready for some um, movie talking talk about movies. Hey, uh, I got to say this. This is my disclaimer. As I was building this list, only one of these movies is top tier Will Ferrell for me. Uh, I think two are for me. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I found the middle of this list really squishy. Whereas like, <laughs> like I, it I was think- like. Honestly, I like most of these movies, but like when I when I, if somebody was like, "Hey, give me your top five, top six, top seven Will Ferrell films," one of these would be on that like top six or seven list. We didn't really, okay. but I think we intentionally picked this list this way that we didn't want to pick the big ones. Like, sit here and talk. We're about always Anchorman. trying to find hidden gems. I don't know that we turned up too many this time. Well, it would have been nice. Uh, I mean, in retrospect, now I kind of wish we added like an Anchorman two or Zoolander two. Just because you and I are bigger fans of that than the general consensus out in the world is. Right. And I don't think they'd like super outshine the rest of the list like dramatically. No. So it would have been just to spice it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. And then we've had. We know that for next time, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, my number eight, which I, I'd be shocked is not your number eight based upon our conversation around it, is uh, Everything Must Go. Yeah. Yeah. That's also where it ended up for me. Yeah. It's just, it's a big shrug. Like, I shrugged my shoulders. I think, for me, it kind of came down to just, like, well, okay, I literally had the least fun with it, but it's also not really trying to be a fun movie. Yeah. But I didn't think it it then, like, left that spectrum into, like, the drama area very well either. No. So I just, yeah, big shrug. I clean my barbecue rather than watch it, like, kind of (laughs) thing. Like, it was was a tough one. So... I, I sort of respect Will for, like, trying to expand his range and his area of comfort, but this just isn't catered to him. Yeah, properly, we talked about I that on, on the podcast where it was, like, like Adam Sandler can be smart sometimes and pick movies that are, like, hey, I can be angry, sad guy, so I'm going to make Punch Drunk Love. And it's, like, I love Punch Drunk Love, and, uh, and Adam Sandler is kind of perfectly suited for that very limited role, so this works. Mm-hmm. But then when he goes off and tries something different, like... I mean, Uncut Gems would be one, I think, that worked for both of us. We're just like, oh, this is annoying and obnoxious, Adam Sandler. 
but but yeah like he kind of has his dramatic comfort zone too that yes. he can go to i i just don't know like other than strangers in fiction if will's really zeroed in on that i don't stuff i don't think well. he i don't think he intentionally hasn't because of these things because yeah. like he's just not a dramatic actor and because even like stranger than fiction it's more of a clever movie than like it is a drama does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like, there's dramatic moments to it, but I'm laughing and feeling heartwarmed through it. I'm feeling heartwarmed through it, but um, I guess so. And it, I mean, we didn't watch it for this patch, but now it's kind of reminding me of like having him opposite Nicole Kidman, like he's opposite Maggie Gyllenhaal, yeah. And it's like, oh, they're like skilled enough to make this work organically, yes. yeah. <laughs> you know, yep, for sure. And and then they, yeah, Dustin Hoffman's carrying him through scenes, and then when Will Ferrell gets to be Will Ferrell and be funny because he's freaking out about like the voice in the sky, it's like oh, and this he's, is great. he is good at freaking out. Yeah, so so it works. But yeah. in this movie, there's not a lot of freak out. The funniest stuff is like at the beginning of the movie when he's like, like, key, like knifing his his boss's car. That's about it. That's the best. Like the top of my tip of my brain being like that's that was funny when he leaves his knife. Yeah, I mean, he smashed his cell phone and stuff, but yeah, he doesn't really get to, like, freak out in the way you want, no. you know? Like, there's no one to freak out to. He's just sitting on his yard. He's just sad. Know, so. And even when yeah, he, like, when he's being vitriol, he's not he's not good enough to be vitriol enough, right? Like, he's he has that scene where he takes down Rebecca Hall and, like, really feeds her the truth. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, well, you, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. I, I don't even know if it was like, oh, he's being so mean. It's just like when he's kind of being like a man child or whatever in this serious context, it's just kind of like, oh, this is, I don't know. <laughs> like, if you can like get to the wavelength with stepbrothers, it's funny. But here it's like not really meant to be funny. No. It's just like, oh, he's kind of just a creepy neighbor now <laughs> in this movie. So, yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So I think easy. Number there you eight. go. I think this so is number where, seven. Yeah, this is where we're going to delineate a bit. Uh, because Divergences. For me, this is where A Night of the Roxbury landed. Okay. So. um, I sort of, yeah, it's higher up for me, but like three to six could have gone a bunch of different ways. Okay. So, so this is kind of yeah, a wash in there. It. So if we kind of land on the same ones, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, Night of the Roxbury, it's not... It's not that I don't like Night at the Roxbury because I do like parts of that movie. There are things I think funny. But like I said this in the podcast, um, the movie or people behind the movie really clearly think Chris Kattan is the main character by giving him mm-hmm. like the main driving force of the film and having him be the focus of some of the more like emotionally funny scenes. But Will is like the guy I keep wanting to go back to. Like, right? Like, Chris, like the big thing is like the wedding scene. Chris Kattan is like he's the one that gets to hold up the uh, like the to have like the meltdown inside the room and gets to hold up the boombox. But Will at the, being at the altar is the funniest stuff in that scene, even though Chris mm-hmm. is like hamming it up and going over the top. Will just being like a goof is better right off the bat. Or or yeah, like I'm I'm remembering now him asking about the like it's like whoa are we starting the wedding like i thought there'd be a siren or something like he just kind of quietly is way funnier yeah uh and yeah him and molly have some fun stuff yeah, yeah when he, he's he's more of the plot for a bit there yeah but 
Yeah. Yeah. Like the the brother with motivation in the story to like design a nightclub is Chris Catan. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a much baggage with Chris Catan though, so that's probably why it didn't like damage this movie much for me. Well, I just but, don't yeah. find him to be I don't know, like I just I don't find him to be that funny. I never really found him to be that much funny on like Saturday Night Live is almost a perfect venue for him because it's like stage comedy. Like he can do prop mm-hmm. falls. Right? Like, he can do a good prop fall. Like, that guy can fall down like any other. Which works on a stage. But is that what I want to see in my movies? Just a dude who falls over? He does He does fall really hard in that lobby one time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what but, I mean. I just... And I just yeah. think it's okay. So, yeah. I, I think this... Through those plants. But yeah. even, like, some of the gags feel like it's not Will driving the gag. It feels like it's a Chris Kattan driving the gag. Whereas, like, I feel like... Like, okay, when they're on the beach and they're both wearing Speedos... I'm like, did Chris Kattan not get the memo that he's supposed to look like unattractive physically? Because the funniness is that it's Will wearing a speedo, and Chris Kattan's just like in that scene. He does he compliments Will's character and says like, "Oh, dude, you're like so hot, like you're really attractive." (laughs) And it's just like, "Ah, I see, because like the scar and the weird curly chest hair, (laughs) and just like the little pudginess type of thing. Whereas like Chris Kattan was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be in a speedo in a movie. I gotta like get ripped," and he got ripped, and it was like that took away the funny of the speedo though. The Speedo mm-hmm. is funny because someone like Will Ferrell is not somebody you kind of want wearing a Speedo, right? So, like, that's the thing. So, I don't know. I, yeah, it's fine. Like, I have I have nostalgia because I saw it when I was in uh, junior high and I, I liked it then. But it's definitely got, like, depreciating value for me. So, that's my number seven. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my number seven uh, is the campaign. Okay. I kind of just didn't i i think it really comes down to just not being in the mood for political absurdity right now yeah it's just that like it's just an area that's like gotten so poisonous in the last decade that i couldn't really get over it for for a while gotcha. to so laugh at it so it's not even like the movie itself it's just like the fact that you didn't see the movie in 2012 if I yeah, if I'd seen it ten years ago, maybe I would have had a better time. But seeing it now, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like too much of this isn't over the top enough anymore, and that's sad. <laughs> that is, <laughs> yeah, it's reminding you a little bit of, about life, and that makes you sad inside. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, like you know, there's a bunch of little supporting players that are okay. There's like the campaign ad stuffs, probably the stuff I like the most. Um, but overall, yeah, I just kind of was not in a joyful mood with this one. So okay. it's, it's sank a bit. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that one sits a little like higher on my list, so I can't really. S- I know. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it again later. Speak so to it. it's okay. Uh, okay. So my number six, uh, this is where Bewitch landed for me. Okay. Um, I honestly, it's just because like I laughed. This is like where we're starting to get into like where I'm laughing more, and I laughed the least at Be- Bewitched than the next group of films. I at some point I did have to kind of come up with a rubric to grade these comedies, and it was like big laughs versus not and stuff like that yeah. helped break it down. So I differ on where I landed on this one because I did have a big laugh happen. Okay, but I understand. Well, and, I, and I I do I did have a few big laughs, but I was it was the consistency of laughing for this movie because there'd be long gaps where I was just I was just generally enjoying myself because I do like this movie, but I wasn't laughing laughing because Will was either not doing something funny or wasn't there because he wasn't the star of the film type of thing. Like yeah yeah 
he he isn't the star of the film, but I think I still found it just kind of like sunny and pleasant yeah. in a way that didn't didn't damage my mood at all. So no, it definitely didn't. Yeah, damage it, my... it bubbled up a bit for me, but yeah, I'm kind of like I'm kind of in a zone now where like actually one through seven are movies I like. It's it's eighth, and I'm struggling with the liking thing. So I'm not like it being at six places is kind of arbitrary because I still liked it type of thing. It just you know, mm-hmm. like ranking stuff. Do you not find ranking stuff to be hard? I uh, usually it breaks down pretty organically, but this this got pretty challenging. Like the like I've been saying, the squishy part of the list. It was just like I don't know. I could take or leave a bunch of this. Like it's it has qualities. It has things that bothered me. And how am I gonna do it? So yeah, it was a bit more puzzling this time. Okay, because yeah, I well, I've always kind of struggled with. Because, like, I honestly could, like, look back. I look back in some old lists, and I'm like, oh, man, that's true. But it's, like, it's because potentially I was in a bum mood that day or it didn't quite hit the way it normally does. Like, it's – every all these things are so relative sometimes, like, that I'm, yeah, like – Yeah, the subjectivity of when we're seeing it and how we're seeing it. And, like, like when what, like, the most recent – like, I think there was one batch where I watched a movie. I had to watch it a second time, like, Scream 2 – and I think it didn't land as high because I just watched it. So I was like, well, based upon this viewing or there's been times where like, I know I love a movie, but I didn't quite like, I wasn't in the mood watching it. So I put it higher because I know I like it more. Mm, you know what I mean? Okay. So it's just, it's a lot of relativity. So Bewitch is not a movie. I dislike it all. I've, I've kind of always like trumpeted like that. I had a good time watching it. It just, it has on the quotients of what I find funny. It has a lower number because it's a little softer. Will Ferrell, like who's going for easy Nancy Meyer gags rather than sorry not Nancy Meyer um Nora Ephron, Nora Ephron but yes yeah so okay uh number six for me is a bit of like a very specific grouch case uh it's the other guys I put down here um because I don't like Mark Wahlberg but the movie does and I couldn't I couldn't forgive it uh it, it just was kind of a crime against comedy uh that they committed here and <laughs> there's the big super laugh that we had in the theater, but like knowing it now kind of took it away this time. I didn't find it as, as gut busting as it was that first time. Cause it's not a surprise anymore. Sure. Uh, so I also sort of singled this movie out of the three to six as being like, it had the biggest budget and like the highest concept and the most stars. And it still missed a lot for me. Like there was a lot of gags it commits to that. I just didn't think were that funny. Okay. Uh, with with kind of the running stuff with Eva Mendez or the Rob Riggle duo and mm-hmm. stuff like there's just things it's investing in that are just like this didn't play when I first saw this gag and now it's like no longer like as it recurs it's not getting better Michael Keaton was a standout though um, in a better way this time because I'm not grouchy about the PLC like <laughs> ignorance. So every time so. we would talk about this movie in real life, because you and I generally disagree about this film, uh, Michael Keaton was always such a big sticking piece. Like t- TLC jokes, but I was like, I like, I think like, you missed. Oh, he's a great actor, but why are they giving him this dumb joke? But I was just like, because I think that's the joke. Like that was the joke. The fact that Will was telling you it was a TLC quote, and you're like, what? Like not everybody would even get the reference. They would just hear Will Ferrell say, "Why do you keep quoting TLC?" That's the funny thing. I think yeah, it it felt like this thing that happened to me where I had no idea Ace's base was a thing, and all of my coworkers at Rogers were like, "What is wrong with you? How did you miss Ace's base? Listen to this. Didn't you hear this?" And I was like, "Wait, wait, you didn't I was know in the a Christian school. I had no idea what this was." 
no one cared about it anywhere near me. So this is this is weird. So I felt like that movie was like, no, TLC was gigantic. Everyone knows these references. And it was like, no, that's I don't really. So, yeah, other than don't go making phony calls. Didn't didn't know what was going on. Yeah, because your your reference to TLC is Weird Al Yankovic. Weird Al has to put it on my music radar. And if he if it missed him, it probably wasn't that big a deal. So (laughs) I don't know. He's my like cultural. I don't even think barometer. that's true because I don't want to give him like some songs that he did pick. So I'm like, Offspring's pretty fly for a white guy is not a good song, but will but he took a good rhyming opportunity and made a good song out of it. That wasn't a massive smash hit. Or like anything? when people talk about Offspring now, like they're still massive on the radio. I haven't heard Pretty Fly for a White Guy in decades. Okay. <laughs> So he chose a weird one. To, well, he chose like, one that was like he could come up with an easy rhyme scheme for a parody song. Yeah. White all, guy all rhymes William with say. rabbi pretty easily. And that's his wheelhouse's Jewish comedy. Sure. Hey, by the way, uh, did you ever watch that? Did you see the new trailer for the weird for weird? The Al Yankovic story? I've seen a teaser, I think. Okay, I don't know if cool. there's like a big trailer. No, it was just that but... teaser. Okay. With like Daniel Radcliffe. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's really happening. <laughs> so. Like when I first told you about this, you were convinced that it was like this is a joke, right? Like this is just gonna be like one long. Well, I I almost thought it was gonna be a funnier die video or something, like because yeah. I'd seen it creeping up on like Facebook things and like a Reddit group I'm in. But it's like, is this like a movie though, or is it like a bit they're gonna do? Yeah, like, it's like a skit. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. It's yeah. It's I think it's a real thing. I think yeah, it's I think it's on some streaming service or something. I don't know that I can go to a theater with other Weird Al fans, yeah, which would be great. But oh well. <laughs> um, probably the biggest joke for me this time was the little River Band bit, yeah, with the CDs. <laughs> so <laughs> which you did talk yeah. about as we started our like Zoom call today. Yeah, I should try to find that song and see how I feel about it because that can help a movie. But it's too late. It's ranking time. Yeah, yeah, it's so, ranking time. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's your number six, right? That's what we just talked it's about. Number six. Okay, so yeah. uh, my number five. This is where Semi Pro lands. Uh, okay. This movie kind of like slowly inches up the a list of like of things I like. I remember first seeing it and being pretty grouchy about it uh, in two thousand eight. We saw it. You weren't feeling it right away. No, 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 no. I was very grouchy about the the again still the Monarch storyline. I just like do not care about. Like Woody Harrelson. And I like Woody Harrelson. I hate being sitting here and being like, man, Woody Harrelson. Man, the like, worst thing about this movie is when Woody Harrelson <laughs> shows up. It's it is like, actually I like Woody. my least yeah. favorite thing about this movie is when Woody Harrelson shows up. And it's because, like, for many reasons, many layers, Woody's a funny guy and they don't really utilize his funny at all. They make him kind of the wet blanket of the movie, which mm-hmm. you need for plot reasons if they're going to succeed as a team for plot reasons. I totally get why yeah. he has to come in and do it. I'm just not happy about it because I don't want him to be a wet blanket because I like Woody Harrelson. He's a pretty chill dude. So, mm-hmm. but anyways, uh, but the gags still work for me. Like they've always worked for me. Like the, the bear fights always been funny. The Russian roulette scene, I've warmed up more and more too. I found it really like hard the first time I saw it, but I've, since it's the most R rated scene, but I think I like that about it. Yeah. But yeah. So, and then the, the little side characters and how many great little cameos there are throughout, like Dick Pepperton and and stuff like that. So, yeah, I I like Semi-Pro. <laughs> it's, it's Pepperfield, but Pepper yes, Field. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I, I like it. It's fun. Um, I don't, I, I think it's also taken a notch down because of like the golden state warriors stuff that we alluded to in the, in the podcast and an Instagram account because I was just They've, like, they, yeah, they're somehow the team that's like embraced that movie the most, uh, which man, I have, <laughs> cause I like the movie. So, but I don't like that team. So yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, but, stuff that you would think that like someone like hey Flint, Jackie Moon's for all hoops here's the fans. Thing. This is what I don't get about this because the story of se- se- Semi Pro is the exact opposite story of the Golden State Warriors because the Golden State Warriors were actually in Oakland, which is like the less rich suburb of San Francisco, and they were like yeah, the, Bay the Area, moment they yeah. started to get successful and like build a franchise with like success, they managed to make an arena deal away from Oakland and moving it into the more rich and more popular San Francisco. And they moved across the Bay, which is considered to be like, like that's like not cool. And that's the exact opposite of the Flint Tropic storyline. Yeah. You betrayed your home city and fans. Whereas, you know, the tropics stayed true to Flint. They didn't go to Detroit or anything. No. So yeah, it's not the I Detroit tropics. So Anyways, I think they need to watch that movie again and really take a hard look in the mirror, Clay Thompson. So <laughs> Savage. Anyways. Okay. Uh, number five is where I put uh, A Night at the Roxbury. Um, I, I, I think my biggest problem with this movie is it gets really aimless <laughs> at a point. I wish it had more of a story uh, because it was like... It was running pretty good on just gags for a while there. I was enjoying, like, Dan Hedaya owns this store, and, like, Will Ferrell's really concerned about the stockroom, and, like, these little things were creeping in that were making me chuckle. Uh, but as as I reached, like, the 50-minute mark or something, it's like, what is even happening? What is this about? You know, like, we're not really following up on, like, the meeting with the guy who's going to build their club or anything. It's just kind of left hanging for a while until, like, the last five minutes. There's that cop that pulled them over. She doesn't appear again until the last, like, two minutes. Like, it's just very sloppily constructed. But it's a Saturday Night Live movie. Yes. It's a skit stretched out <laughs> to, like, 80 minutes. And d- didn't we talk about how it, like, it's like they made the credits slower so that it has a running time <laughs> It was. It's movie? such, it's really slow credits. I feel like I was watching it and being like, wow, this is, like, a long credit sequence like it's like each name gets like to be on the screen by itself for like a bit as it goes up it's like really spaced out in big font or something it's like oh i see this came in at like 78 minutes and they're like dude (laughs) we gotta do something we gotta at least get that 80 minute mark we can't dumbo this so Mm -hmm. but i i I still think it's it's good hearted or something it's like pretty fun and light and that was okay uh, and it's sort of, you know, the earliest we went in his career. And it was neat to kind of look back at what's already working. Like his weird like ambulance bit was probably my funniest feral moment uh, of just him coming up with something really weird and silly to do. Yeah. Like when he's mimicking an ambulance to like as a, I guess, a pickup line or yeah. something yeah. that kind of like pick up lines past the point where you need them anymore. <laughs> Yeah. It's okay ideas. Oh no, that and was, then the, that was the a pretty funny skit scene. Is great. That pre- it's a pretty yeah. funny scene where they're both still trying to pick up their dates while they have them in their beds, type of thing. Like is pretty funny because <laughs> yeah. it just shows you that like 
they have no idea what they're doing. Like they're they've only ever made it that far, so like they're lost now. So they're just going back now to the material. Now they're out of game. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's yeah, it still has some charming things to it, but yeah, it's just a little too like cavalier about its its story and structure to like really be a classic or anything. Yeah. It's just yeah, light, dumb Saturday Night Live stuff. So yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Number five. Number five. Okay. Uh, my number four is uh, this is where the other guys landed for me. So not that far okay. off from your sixth spot. Uh, this is my least favorite Adam McKay Will Ferrell collaboration. Um, I wonder if there's too much of a turnaround between Step Brothers and this one because they did bring on a third writer, like Critch Henchy came on to write instead of Will Ferrell and, and things like that. And I just wonder if they. They didn't quite, like, they had a half-baked idea of something they wanted to do. Then they mixed in, like, Adam McKay's desire to have more commentary. And then they never really, like, figured out the jokes, though, in advance. They were just hoping that they would make it work. Like, there's this famous story from Beverly Hills Cop 3, John Landis directed. And he was, like, he was, like, he got the script and he was, like, oh, it's, the script's terrible, but... I saw the script for Beverly Hills Cop and it was terrible too. And Eddie, Eddie made it funny. So like, we'll just show up and Eddie will make this funny. Like it's fine. He was not worried about making Beverly Hills Cop three, but then Eddie uh-huh. showed up and he was so like hell bent on not being funny anymore. Like he wanted to be more serious or taken seriously. So he just played the material straight and we have the, by far the worst Beverly Hills Cop movie. Like it's uh-huh. painful to watch. So there's a part of me that wonders if like, these two guys went in with the idea of like, we'll make it funny on set, but their collaborators weren't as funny. Like when you, when you show up on set and it's like, Hey, like John C. Riley and Will Ferrell are on set together. Like funny stuff's going to happen. Cause they're both funny guys. Whereas yeah. like Will Ferrell's on with a novice first time ever in a comedy, Mark Wahlberg, not to say that he got better, but that's like hard to do improv. Like Mark doesn't really take me as an improv acting type of a guy. Because no, yeah, and that's Probably like a lot of to the scripts, yeah. So, like, it just it felt like there's a lot of things that landed weak, or like it was like you ever seen those lineoramas on like Judd Apatow DVDs where it was like right where there's just like tons of alternate gags, like the same yeah. dude is talking, but it's like bit bit bit, like Paul Rudd is just saying twelve, yeah, different Jonah things. Hill, all those guys, and they're typically in a scene with another another funny person, and that like eggs each other on. I guarantee you, like, this movie felt like it was, like, the first time out was most of the time the gigs they went with. And it was Will being like, well, I got to nail it the first time. And Mark being like, somebody feed me a line and I'll say it type of thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's not a... Maybe some of Will's end of stuff. Like, I don't know if the, like, uh, the tuna battle with the lion is, like, entirely how it was scripted or if he embellished it or something. Yeah, like, like I, I but I feel like that's... for him here and there. But I still yeah. feel like that's something he came up with on his own and he showed up on set that day with that type of embellishment. But sure. But not having somebody else that kind of be like, hey, try this. Or what if you went this way next to him that can like egg on his comedy to make it better type of thing? Yeah. Because um, I guarantee you there's like there's a part of me that feels like that dinner scene in Talladega Nights was just like like John C. Riley and Will Ferrell just finding comedy gold by like. Like when G- when he goes like specifically into the prayer and he says, dear baby Jesus, dear newly born pure white snow white skin like soft like hair like yeah 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 goes like, like really milking a bit like i feel like they do that with the lord's prayer and campaign like that's yeah. probably 
found a little bit. Yes, you and know? that's a Jason Sudeikis and him thing too, right? So it's like, yeah. So there's, I just feel like he needs a, like if he's going to be in a movie on his own, that's fine. But Mark Wahlberg is supposed to carry half the weight, and Mark can like he crumbles under the pressure of comedy. Obviously, the world disagrees with us because Mark went on to star in four more, I think even more than that, comedy films. And well, there's the Ted movies, and then Daddy's, Daddy's Home. Uh, right. And this movie was like I think one of their highest grossing ones, right? I uh, other other guys, yeah. yeah. So clearly we're in the minority, but like I I watched really this movie, budgeted high too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But I watched this movie and I don't find it nearly as funny as like this is my least favorite of theirs, like by far. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I just it's a big shoulder shrug to me. There are really funny gags in it. Like I said, like we kind of said in the episode, I think they sat down being like, we should have the guys die near the beginning and then have the movie go from there. And it's like, oh, okay. That kind of feels like you planned out those first 15 minutes and then kind of said, let's figure it out as we go after. A little bit. Like it has some noble ideas in it. Like there's stuff worthy of riffing on or pointing out or whatever, but it seems kind of like it can't get to that stuff as comfortably as they would learn to do later. Like, yeah, it just, I don't know. It doesn't all add up the way I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I got to, so, I yeah. do think, I think Mark has to be a part of that. Cause there's some things that he says, like his peacock line, he says multiple times and it's only funny when Will Ferrell points out to him that like peacocks can't fly. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's when it becomes funny. And I'm like, okay, so Will is actually the funniest person in this movie, and he's carrying it all. Oh, no. Like, yeah, Mark just being actually angry at people just doesn't register on the funny scale to me at all. Yeah. It's just, like, I don't know. Yeah, that might be baggage I have with, like, him as a dude or whatever. (laughs) It's just like, well, you are a bully, though, so this just is second nature to you, just to be really demeaning and terrible. (laughs) So It's true. I don't know. It's very, very true. Yeah. Anyway, so this one lands there. I don't, in no, no, by no means do I dislike it. It's just like when I want to watch an Adam McKay movie with Will Ferrell, it's like I'd have to be, I just has, I would have just had to have recently watched all four of the other ones for me to be like, <laughs> I guess I'll have to watch this one again type of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I put it even lower, so I guess I agree. <laughs> Um, number four for me is where I put kicking and screaming. Okay. Uh, it was kind of defaulting higher for a while, but I was just like, what is happening? Like, I just, there's not much wrong with it. I think is how it got away for a while on the list. Uh, other than maybe Robert Duvall, who we talked about extensively. I have issues with, with his, his casting. Uh, but it's, yeah, it mostly works. It's a kid's comedy you know, there's uh, Mike Ditka is is a nice surprise. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about him and was like, wow, he's actually pretty game for like bouncing stuff around with Will Ferrell, yeah. uh, which is good. And then the coffee subplot still still mostly works for me. Um, and it it also feels a little thin kind of in that Night at the Roxbury way, but they they fill it a little more organically here. It's like we got to get to feature length. Uh, all the the team goes camping or something. Yeah. Sure. That'll that'll fill a couple minutes. <laughs> ah, we'll do another coffee bit or something. Yeah. Like they get yeah. it there, but you know they're gonna play in the big game and <laughs> all, all the stuff that's supposed to happen happens. Yeah. Uh, but it it mostly functions pretty well. So yeah, that that's how it got just off the podium. Just off the podium uh, for you. Place. Um, it's fascinating because I just put together what your top three are and I'm kind of baffled. This is gonna be a fun conversation. 
Uh, yeah. Keegan Screaming, we should have called this the Will Ferrell sports sports list type of thing, right? Because we... We tried going for some of his sportsy stuff, yeah, other than Talladega, which we debated whether that's even a sport. Uh, yeah. And... yeah. We're from Canada, so yeah, we're, we're very confused about that being a sport. Actually, we're from Western Canada. Toronto loves mm-hmm. and Montreal loves their F1. Their NASCAR? F1. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Or Indy. I can't remember which one it is. Anyways. I think the movie's just NASCAR, though, right? Oh, no, yeah. Tell Dave, yes. But you were talking about about racing being a sport. And, like, Canada likes their F1 or Indy, whichever one it is. So I think it's starting to slowly dawn on me that, like, a lot of planet Earth really cares about that. And I just don't get what's going on. Like, I'm hearing names like Verstappen and Lewis something, Hamilton, maybe. Well, no, it's it's even beyond that. Like, it's like, oh, I was able to afford a nice car. The film Rush. I'm an athlete. The film Rush uh, is like a zeitgeist of culture that I'm like, no, no. I, I really hated that movie. <laughs> I, know, I know you did it. I did too. But I'm just like, but people love that movie. And I'm like wondering, is like, is this just like people remember this happening and it was important to culture at the time or something like I because it's loved. It's so loved. Oh, no, it's like a top 250 movie on IMDb. Yeah. And I like lower my score every year to try to get it <laughs> off of there. And it just, it's not working. But what I mean is I'm like, only but one like so therefore I'm like sitting there being like, wait, what makes this movie loved? Is it the movie or is it the story that people remember? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just like, like, I like Chris Hemsworth too, but like, he can't make this work by himself. Like, it's not, oh, but, anyway. And he's not even that good at it. He's just playing his typical self, which is like a brawny, smart, dumb yeah. person. So, yeah. Anyways. Anyways. So yeah. So racing, is that a sport? That's a good question. Um, Email us at uh, Ryan Okay. Uh, okay. So you're number th- four. That was your number four, right? Four was, four was soccer time. Yeah. Soccer time. Okay. The Italians. Uh, now that we're in podium, uh, my number three, this is, so we do have a, I was, I still think my prediction is right that our number one is going to be the same, but I might be okay. wrong, but I still, I still think it. Uh, my number three is the campaign. Uh, okay. I don't, I mean, I think I was, like not to the to the level that it is today, but in 2012, I was I was pretty aware that like the pol- the world of politics was pretty like schmucky and schlucky and stuff like that. I was actually just happy this movie was like talking about these Smock brothers because so many people didn't know who the Koch brothers were in real life and how important it was that we knew who they were and were paying attention to what they were doing. So I kind of appreciated that like meta level of of this joke that they put into. I the mean, movie. for all for all I know, I heard about him because of ripples from this movie. Like I don't know, like it definitely they came across my radar as like, oh, these are you know more jerk billionaires screwing around with everything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but that being said, I just I do find this movie funny. Like it's I like Seth uh, Galifianakis's character. I like Will Ferrell being just the worst and kind of getting like being the worst and yeah I, I just had fun like i've always had fun watching this movie i totally get why somebody could sit there and be like this is subpar will ferrell but this kind of sits in that happy bubble where i don't like expect much of it and therefore i'm having a good time because it's not really doing anything other than just like being like sending jokes my way constantly and there's no like mm-hmm. third act drama that happens a lot of the times in like sports films where it's like except for the one sports film on this list where it's like they have to win the big game in kicking and screaming or 
semi-pro is like they have to like play well in the last like game. And I'm like, oh, I don't really care about this drama and a comedy. I just want like jokes all the time. So if they keep falling down in the basketball games, I'm having a good time. But you can't win that mm-hmm. way. But anyways, there's none of that. Like it's all like it's maybe a, a minute or two because but then you have Seth take off his shirt and show you this giant hideous scar and he's like, I voted for you because of that slide. So there's still like a gag at the end of this like really quick emotional quote quote moment type of thing. So I'm having oh, a good time. Oh, like where the corrupt campaign like falters around Cam or whatever yeah. and he hands over power. And then he's just I like, think that stuff I was just like kind of frowning at because it wasn't dark enough <laughs> or something. Oh, sure. Like I feel this movie didn't like commit enough to being like totally dry and like no everything's really boned up. Well because I think like, like guys things did. weren't oh yeah but I don't think things were as dry or broken up back in twenty twelve. Like Obama was still so. president at that time and becoming president again. Yeah. So I think if this movie was made in twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, this I think would have been like Maybe I should watch Veep or something. Yeah, <laughs> maybe there's a political watch. satire out there. Oh, that probably. Plays yeah, in this negative. But it's space definitely not I, an I 85 demand. minute Will Ferrell Zach Galifianakis film. So no, I was expecting the heights of satire from that. Like, directed, I don't know. I think it's the... a pairing I was hopeful for because like both guys have their own kind of tool bag. I like. But I just I don't know. Something about the clash wasn't as oh no it de- it definitely faltered. It doesn't it doesn't quite hit on both of their comedy ter- comedies. Honestly, I think there's times where their comedies don't match because it turns Will into a bully and it turns like Zach into like this kind of whimpering dude. And I'm like, oh, I don't like any of these things. I kind of just want them on their own. Or if this movie was just called Politics and it was two hours and the first hour is the campaigning part and then it's them as a team trying to take down the Motch brothers. I mean, I still feel like like you could have done that in in 90 minutes, just an hour and then 30 minutes, but okay. Because we get like the over the end credits bit where they've teamed up and that kind of them playing together was kind of a fun energy, but we didn't get that for most of the movie. So. Like I kind of want to see them on the same team. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I so. still like that scene where right before, like they go into their first debate, and he's just like, "Oh, you're trying to trash talk me," and that, I thought that scene was funny. So yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I I just it's like a laugh quotient. I was laughing like in isolation. I laugh at more things in this movie, even though maybe they don't work on a large scale because it's not telling as good of a story or something like that i'm still laughing so i'm having a good time there's a lot of will ferrell movies that sit in this bubble for me like the house uh like where i'm like this movie's hilarious it's not a good movie i can't recommend people to watch it but i thought it was funny because a lot of really dumb things happen so i'm gonna be there laughing the campaign Mm kind of sits in there for me i totally get when somebody says i don't like the campaign i'm like yeah cool thumbs up like it's okay. just it's not something I'm gonna not a hill I'm gonna die on, but I'll watch it and I'll be happy. So it's okay. I guess there's probably stuff remaining on my list that's in a similar space where like I like it and that's all I care about. Yeah. So yeah. So all right, you're um, number three. So bronze medal for me ended up going to Bewitched. Um because I I was looking at those four and the biggest laugh in any of them for me was an onion for Willie. <laughs> I can't explain why. I just thought it was the funniest thing I saw like that day. I I don't know. It's a fake movie. It's like a boxing drama he's in. And I just thought that was really, really silly. And I forgot about that joke. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and overall, I think it was just like I didn't have a lot of detractors happen in this movie. My only like beef was them not like fully capitalizing on some of the funny people they put in small roles. Like Stephen mm-hmm. Colbert doesn't get anything, <laughs> you know, anything. and like Steve Carell's great for like five minutes, but he's like not. Yeah, he's, way late the in the movie. he's not there for a little, very long. He's he doesn't get to be there for very long. Even that like kooky ant that pops by, she's only there for like a little bit. Yeah. You know, like they kind of just dash little bits of stuff in there. Richard Kind is there for like four seconds. <laughs> you know. That's like a like, throwaway it's, gag it's to weird. Get the end type of thing. Cause like Yeah, that's like from the show or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it, it just seemed kind of wasteful. But overall, yeah, it was just still sunny, still pleasant. Nothing really that bad about it. It trying to get meta and weird was kind of fun to me like it has kind of a awareness of the formula of this genre a little bit with like that like broom waving scene with yeah. uh will ferrell scaring her away because he's, <laughs> he's freaked out she's a witch Shoo. scat get out of here yeah. yeah it's just like oh that's great that's a dumb way to have the late second act breakup happen <laughs> so fantastic uh and i guess overall it just made me like more curious about that tv show i might check it out okay well we do have ctv we do have one person uh out there in the instagram world that would be very excited very excited to hear you say that because he was very he he thought we had he did a great job we did a great job on this he was fascinated that we watched this with having like very little information about bewitched and 100 percent recommends that we go and watch Bewitch because it's the far TV superior. show. So yeah, we had a fun exchange on Instagram about this movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just nothing really detracting from it for me. It was it was harmlessly light and and Nicole's like not really in her wheelhouse, but she's still like I'm used to her being kind of scary <laughs> or something. She's in a lot of dark R rated stuff and in a lot of ways, okay, you know. Yeah. What was that Stoker movie or whatever? Yeah, it was. She, she, Chenwick Park, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's... Or or what's that weather girl movie we watched where she's like the scheming to die for like, murderer? Yeah. <laughs> like I that's where she comes from for me. So her just being like, no, she's just fun and getting out there and doing weird things to get real estate deals with magic. <laughs> you know? It was like we, we had postured, mostly positive. We had postured that she just like rehomed a bunch a big a family and then now are just Yeah, there's a dark underbelly for sure going on <laughs> with like dark sorcery, but they don't get into it and let you just imagine that while you're laughing. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's still pretty positive. Hey, so bronze medal. I'm happy uh I'm happy that you like this movie as much as you do. I, I can't fathom it because I find the movie to be like, like, I like it, but I can't like it that much because there's not as much laughs in it for me. But I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm happy. I'm genuinely happy that there is someone out there that's like, yeah, bewitched. And I'm like, all right. It's just upbeat. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's got a G-Shucks quality that just, I find funny. Do you remember so. when it first came out and how like hated it was? Like vitriol hated? K- kind of. But I saw it back then, too, and had like a fine time. Yeah. So it was it was always a little mystifying. That's like, oh no, everybody thought this was bad. <laughs> it's like, all right, I don't know. Okay, like seemed okay to me. Great. Hey. Uh, I remember at the time the joke I think I really liked was when he's talking to that dog or whatever, or he's like, <laughs> like he's on set and he's he's been cursed or something, so he's saying his lines all weird. Yeah, and the the crew and everybody is mystified, but. 
I don't know. I think they give enough for Will to do here, and it's sort of a conventional rom-com, and it's weird to see him there in <laughs> that so kind of weird. field. Especially being bit. paired with Nicole Kidman. Like, that's the... Yeah. That's... We talked about this. Like, I was like, I don't know. This is... Oh, and how smitten she is. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, he's just so sweaty and great. And <laughs> but it's, it's like, kind of like... It kind of works in story because she's so used to, like, warlocks being, like, gorgeous and handsome and getting whatever they want, and he's just, like... Just like an actual human. Just a mess. Yeah. yeah. And that's great. So I don't know. I, I I couldn't help but like as I was going through the four that I was really pitting against each other, it was just like Bewitched isn't coming up a lot as like a negative thing. So I have to give it the A little bit more of a bending type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh you sh- so you're gonna go out and watch more Nor Efron films now. I didn't. I don't think I dislike. Maybe that you, could happen. You, have too. you seen uh, my favorite of hers? Is you've got mail? Have you seen you've got mail? It's been a long time, but I did. Okay, quite a while ago. I I quite but, like uh, you've got mail. It's like not a. It's like silly and cheesy, but I wonder how that plays now as like an internet time capsule. <laughs> oh, it's or so weird. It's like it's like, like a dear diary. Online dating was like the but it wasn't most even like they just like idea. they randomly messaged each other because of AOL was weird because it was kind of like a messenger service but there's email but it's like isn't that also about like little bookstores yeah being done under by a big like giant yeah it's 100 percent what it's about and steve zahn's there oh great i like steve zahn uh i think greg kinnear's there too though but honestly i'm not joking i can't who could say if he's in it (laughs) yeah he might have been i'm genuinely telling you i've seen that movie within the last year and I can't remember if he's in it at a bot joking because I know this is a joke that I do, but I'm sitting here being like, I th- he's so unmemorable. I think like because Meg Ryan, Meg Ryan has Dylan a boyfriend McDermott quality that is like not great, and she doesn't love him, but she's with him, and I'm pretty sure it's it's Greg Kinnear, but I can't, I can't, you can't quote me on it. Like I wouldn't if you twisted my arm, I would be like, I don't know, actually, maybe not. So you brought him up, so like it seems likely that you saw him. <laughs> I don't, That's probably, but I feel happened. like if there's a if there's a hole, it's either a dude I don't know or it's Greg Kinnear, like a dude that I don't know the name of or it's Greg Kinnear, like that's the hole. Hmm. Anyways, okay. Um, I didn't mean for that to happen. That was genuinely a mistake. I just I think Greg Kinnear's in that movie, but who's to say? Uh, can I my number two? Yeah, silver medal time. Silver medal. So this is where uh, kicking and screaming lands for me. Uh, okay. I don't mind. I like kids sports movies. I grew up and I have a great fondness for like big little big green and uh, little giants and rookie of the year and uh, little big league. All those like angels in the outfield. Like we're Ashley and I were planning a trip eventually to go to California, and I'm like, I have to go see the angels because I have to stand out into the angels and I have to wrap my arms up and down. Do they do the thing? I hope so. Do they do so. that? I really, <laughs> Like Shohei really Otani so. goes up and everyone does that for I no know. reason? I really, really want that to happen, but I don't think so because it's not a, like, it's not even on Disney+. Oh, Plus. sorry, for audio listeners, which is everyone, <laughs> we're waving our arms like angels. Whoa, 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 time out. <laughs> they should have seen that movie so they get the reference. So they obviously knew what yeah. arm gesture we were uh, doing. Here's the thing. They probably didn't see the movie because this movie, though it's a Disney movie starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Matthew McConaughey, Danny Glover, and Tony Danza, mm-hmm. is not even on. And Christopher Walken. I forgot the main one. No, no. Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd, sorry. Uh, not As even Al. on. He's not even on Disney+. Plus. 
That's kind of messed up. It's kind of messed up. I've been wanting to watch it, for, it was. for years, and it's not on Disney+. Plus. I watched this movie way too many times. I did too, <laughs> like, but I kind of liked it because it was like, I think probably- That catcher hypothesizes that it was the chili dogs before the game that allowed him to hit that Sorry, ball. Nathan, how much did you watch this movie because you're like a good Christian boy and you're like, yeah, angels are real. I don't know. I, I don't think it was that. I like dumb sports movies in general. I did and too. And I like Christopher Lloyd- so it really worked out. Yeah, I do too. And I agree on both of those fronts. But there's also part of that me. That said, I never saw Angels in the End Zone. Yeah, uh, I never saw that one. Happened. I actually, no, I did watch that one. Because that was like a Wonderful World of Disney movie. Like it was like a Sunday night Disney movie that came out. Mm-hmm. So I did see that one. Um, and it's not good. So that's okay. okay. But anyways. Um, so yeah, Kicking and Screaming kind of sits in this bubble of like kids movies that I think are funny. Because you got Will Ferrell there. He goes through the whole gamut of like some really funny gags. You kind of mentioned a bunch of them, like the coffee stuff is hilarious. Uh, you can tell that they kind of added that stuff in afterwards because they just had a bunch of Apatow people show up and said, "Hey, can you be in this coffee room, Martin Star?" And he's like, "Yeah, I got nothing else to do." So it does really feel isolated from like Mike Dick is there a bit early on with the coffee stuff, yeah. but like none of the other stuff really. Yeah, I feel like there might the have been space some coffee know? jokes, but I think they just expanded the comedy part like later in reshoots and really like gave it a life of its own to as a reason why I mean he has the the cappuccino machine on the bench yes like, that's what that I mean like I feel like in. they might have been trying to like maybe it was too subtle before that he was becoming a jerk because of coffee rather than just becoming a jerk and so they wanted to make it become like no he's becoming a jerk because of coffee guys not because of any other reason is mm-hmm. my theory I was thinking about going to cafe the other day and was wondering if you can't like I know he's the whole bit is like it's obviously a really normal thing, but can you really just get half calf of everything, <laughs> or is it like I think only so regular coffee? No, I think you can get you half know? calf with everything because why why wouldn't you be able to? It's just they just do a half a shot of espresso and half a shot of de, like like decaffeinated decaf. espresso, so it'd just be okay. all in one shot still. But but that decaf espresso does that is that a thing? Oh yeah, definitely. Because okay, uh, have you ever been to Luke's? Um, Luke's drugstore uh yeah yes so yeah. they have uh like they're really well known for their, like their super milk like uh, soft serve okay and it's really great you should get their super milk soft serve they also go they go through monthly flavors but one of the regular things is they do an affogato which is an espresso shot over top of their vanilla uh soft serve okay and it's delicious because it's like essentially like you're you're eating uh like coffee ice cream but soft serve and it gets all hot and warm and cold and it's great i love it anyways i often go there in the evening though where i'm like i can't have an espresso shot at eight o'clock at night because i'm never going to sleep again and so mm-hmm. i get a decaf espresso shot and it's not a problem at all okay so it's a real thing i guess so i, I just was assuming it's like a genre of regular coffee only because who wants decaf but, lots of okay. people i know lots of people even at work that are big coffee drinkers that only drink decaf because caffeine just okay. like is not good for you. That's the big thing. Yeah, and some people no, just make like you pretty anxious, and some people man, like curling up with the gigantic americano is fun yeah. at first, and then an hour later you're worried about everything. That's what I mean. So but, I feel yeah. like, and there's some people that just like the taste of coffee. They want to enjoy coffee and not have the stress that you're talking about. So, anyways, yeah. uh, the kids are funny. Mike Ditka's funny. You kind of mentioned them all. I didn't find Robert Duvall as uh. A detractor. No, you enjoyed his Pele bullying yeah, and stuff. Yeah, stuff like that. I so, thought there were yeah. some pretty funny things in there that he did. 
So I was, I, I generally like this movie. I, I kind of come from a place where I first saw it. I did not like it at all the first time I saw it, but I saw it with the wrong person who didn't like it. And then I saw it with friends mm. who did like it and we all laughed and it was like, oh, this movie is funny. So yeah. I'd, I think we saw it as a family when my sister was starting Pee Wee Soccer. So it just kind of landed right in a like, oh yeah, this is relatable. Yeah. Like it was fine. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Cool. Anyways, that's my number two. What's your number two? All right. A uh, silver medal for me goes to one of our sports films here. Uh, it's got a character in it that is is pretty fun. Will Ferrell plays him. It's uh, Chaz Michael Michaels. Oh, wow. Blades of Glory is number two That's, on Nathan's list. This is fascinating. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of great comic talent in this movie. I uh, enjoy that the antagonists are Polar and Arnett. It's a fun pairing. Yeah. Uh, Craig T. Nelson, I guess, could be our wet blanket type character that we've t- alluded to, but he keeps it together, keeps it on the no, ground in we, a fun way. We talked about this in the podcast. He like he could be the monarchs of this movie. He is the plot motivating. Yeah, but person. there's something about yeah. Craig T. Nelson and how he delivers the stuff that like it's just enjoyable. Like I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it still has a detractor for me, though. I don't know how Swartzen, like got this in his email or whatever, <laughs> like why he was able to show up for this one, because he's really bringing it down a little bit for me. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. uh, and I mentioned both of these things in the episode. Like there's there's him being there, being this creepy stalker guy kind of kills the vibe a bit. And then I know it's like poorly filmed and like over the top and crazy looking. But something about a horrible beheading just isn't that funny to me. <laughs> so I'm a little weird. I don't think death's hilarious. But it's but like, yeah. it's it's in like the worst CG and also the dumbest move you could ever have. Like, this is not a thing that ever happens. That's why it's so ludicrous. I think I have too much like latent anxiety about skate blades in general. Okay. Like cutting people. Okay. Like... For me, there's two cutting people jokes in this movie. One of them I think is really funny, and one of them is like, oh, and it like totally throws off the laughs, and that that's the beheading one. When he's like, I am here now at the skating stadium, and I'm coming down to skate in the not Olympics, and he like zip lines through the crowd, and there's just these horrible <laughs> blade sounds as he's like stepping on people. That's funny. That is <laughs> like, so I enjoyed that funny. Uh, then he lands, and he just like he looks terrible, so he just ducks out of frame he and just stands ducks up below and... the boards and stands up and looks like you know flash gordon or whatever uh yeah there's a lot of good stuff going on and mostly this movie works really well for me i just i have another movie that i liked a little bit more yeah, so okay. yeah. we'll get to that well this but, is yeah. so i mean good segue my number one is blades of glory um and it's okay. the one i was alluding to at the beginning where i said like one of these movies is like one of my go-to will ferrell films and it's this one mm-hmm. like there's yeah. many things from this like i mean i don't even remember that black eyed Peas song coming out my humps uh it was like not it was like a catchy song i didn't like it but like will ferrell talking about it and how provocative it is and it gets the people mm-hmm. going is good stuff like it's really good stuff that i'm like guys yeah, this is fascinating yeah so yeah uh what else is there no, him, him, like, I like Chaz a lot. His kind of, like, being egotistical and, like, this rock star of skating <laughs> is really fun. Like, him at the hearing he defending sex. his actions. He's yeah. sex on ice. That's what it is. Sex on ice. Or, like, he is figure skating. Boom! And then, like, whatever, just to... he, Yeah, he, he's, he's really fun. I think, if anything's, like, detracting the tiniest bit, 
like they kind of lose Fickner in the mix. There's no comeuppance for him. Yeah. And uh, like, I know you like, I think I liked the heater side a little more, Mm -hmm. but he's not like hitting the same highs, I guess, really, as Will does. Will gets all the setups to go over the top. And I don't think Heater really goes over the top. No, and I think Heater, but I think it's a good mashup where it's like they give Heater more of like the emotional plot and it allows Mm. Will this like freedom to just be like a wild card always. Like the whole movie, he gets to do whatever he wants because none of the choices he makes matters to the plot other than he eventually just has to trust, like become a good partner. That's it. Sure. Yeah. So. Um, and then, yeah, Heater's still getting to interact with, like, Jenna Fisher and, like, the, what, what's their name? Whatever, that family of skaters. Yeah. Uh, in his name? stuff. So it's Von Waldenbergs Yeah, the Von Waldenbergs. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I just, there's so many things I love about it. Like, I'm just imagining, you know the scene where Will's just on the phone all night long talking to him and he's like, we could be Batman Robin. I'll be, I'll be Robin. I just remember mm-hmm. seeing this scene in the, in the movie theater and just, like, there's a, a body length shot of Will Ferrell on his side and just be like, guys, that's like, that's funny. Cause look right there. That's like a giant crotch. Just like right there, bulging out through his underwear mm-hmm. and his like bare I legs. Think a gag I didn't bring up. It's, it's a little PG 13, a little, little, but the way Jenna Fisher plays the line, like, Oh, I have to go now. I have to get my jugs waxed. <laughs> was really funny to me <laughs> like her her siblings are like trying to get her to say like hot sexy stuff for this date yeah. and she just deadpans this line and it's just like not her character at all but like and Chaz is equally coaching heater to say over the top things he would never say and it's just a fun little bit Chaz that we didn't talk so about. turned on by the stuff she's saying too and it's so funny um Jenna's really good at this because honestly she carries her own in walk hard when like her mm-hmm. and 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 like oh John she has C. to Riley. say way looter stuff in that movie, but like she says it in but, like that dopey way too, like where she's just like, but she is a little less innocent than that. But it's just the whole way that people talk in that movie is very like that sense of like that, yeah, I like true like double entendres yes. to the extreme, to the extreme, <laughs> yeah. That one song, man. That one song. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't. I I just really like Blades of Glory. Like, there's so many levels of which I enjoy about it. Like, I don't care about because I don't care too much about John Hader. I don't care about William Fickner getting his comeuppance. I don't like Nick Swartzen, but he's not a detractor for me because he's barely in it. In, in my yeah, mind, yeah. I I really just wish he didn't close the movie. Sure. Like, if he was just there at the beginning to like be the creepazoid who's trying to get his favorite skater back into skating. Yeah. Gives him the rule book or whatever. And then that's it for him. I would have been fine. So what you or sure. Do, he waves a flag or something at the event. What whatever. You need to do is just like the credits hit and you, you just like, I saw these credits. Turn once, it off. Click it off. <laughs> just remember there's no other bit in the end credits. Yeah. Oh, but that song's playing though. That's the, that's how it, it muddies it a bit. Cause there's a pretty funny song going on. Yeah. But, but there's also yeah. like that, like the fact that they chose flash, as the song, like the Flash Gordon theme song, is like the last song. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of just like genuinely all on board. The macho scene where like they're bragging to each other, but like handstands on ice are going barefoot, and just like that's how they're bragging to each other. Stuff oh, like that. Sure, it makes me laugh macho so hard. Stuff. Uh, the fact yeah. that like nothing happens for five years because the story jumped, and so like the reporters ask like, "Hey, what have you guys been doing the last five years?" And they're like. Uh, cause nothing's happened cause the whole story jumps. So therefore there's no backstory written for any character. Stuff like that. Just No, Will Arnett just says, 
skating. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that's what they'd be doing. Yeah. So Makes I don't sense. know. I just I I enjoyed all those things. So I was I was I I really like this movie. It is it is top Will Ferrell for me. Despite there maybe there's things I don't love about it, but it doesn't matter. It's top Will Ferrell for me. Okay, so yeah. uh, with Noah Dew. Top Will Ferrell for me, like, I, I, I think I do think Jackie Moon is one of his, like, top characters for me. Sure. I just enjoy, like, the scrappy owner slash, like, R&B singer or whatever he is. Slash <laughs> he coach slash leading forward. What's his, what's his position? Point guard. Yes, he's power forward, power forward. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, power forward. Um, yeah, And I, I like basketball too much to, like, not put this over a figure skating movie i guess okay. <laughs> i don't know it just like appeals on a base level of just like hey look that's the spurs hey it's the anaheim amigos gotcha. so that's the real. aba aspect of it is the thing that's getting you to you the aba stuff i think is fundamentally good about it i i think that's why i credited the screenwriter as the mvp um and yeah get the funk out of my face it's a great song it's in there i uh, never would have been on my radar if it wasn't for this movie uh, the jive turkey scene I like quite a bit. Uh, Tim Meadows especially. I kind of wish his character was in it more, yeah. but it's still a nice little dash of stuff. This movie kind of does that where it's just like Christian Wig is here for like two minutes. Jason Sudeikis is here for like two minutes. Not you even. Know, that was like, like 30 seconds Jason Sudeikis. Is 30 here. seconds of Jason Sudeikis, <laughs> but it's the nachos bit. Yeah, it's it is fun. the nachos bit, so it's good. I think this movie passed a test for me of like rewatchability with having seen it a couple months ago yeah. just because I wanted to. And then I watched it again for the show and still had a good time. Which is good. That is so, that's a huge test to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh and yeah, like I liked Daly and Arnett's kind of duo commentating on the action. They have some fun stuff. Um and I think just the seventies aesthetic kind of worked for me. I like that. I like that about it. Okay. I don't hate that about it. <laughs> Matt Walsh. So. I actually think Matt Walsh is pretty like I, I found him to be more funny this time too. Like the priest. Father Pat's good. Yeah. There's some good kind of riffing on players being awful and getting flagrants and technical. Or just like the one time where they get really, where Father Pat just gets really dark and it's just like, and they all turn on Whoa. him and they walk out. Cool. <laughs> like, yeah, they just leave. They, they just have to leave. And then Andrew the Daly's just like, not even, like, I'm going to see you on Sunday. Not anymore. Nope. So we go to church together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I yeah I mostly and then the Monic side of the story I think I just I enjoy too like okay. Rob Corddry's there being creepy and that's kind of fun. <laughs> so I, okay, this is, I think the best comparison I can come up with is like how you feel about the little bit of Nick Swartzen is how I feel about the breadth of like the Monic storyline. Okay, so like it's all just being creepy and weird and no no no, no like meaning like that like Swartzen for there for a little bit can take such such a big gas out of the movie for you. Yeah, it's like Monix can just takes a big gas out of the movie for me. I'm like, I don't want. I these guess. Scenes. Yeah, like him interacting with uh, Funky Stuff Malone, aka Coffee Black, uh, like in a more serious sports way. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I I guess I have an appetite from those kids movies we talked about with like kicking and screaming, like those simple sports narratives. Sure. To still be like, no, he's got to inspire them, man. Like, they got to have some Flint pride and <laughs> get yeah. it together for the Flint, Michigan Mega Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which won't matter at all. But in, in the annals of history, the, <laughs> you know, that whole bit, yeah. Invention of the Submarine, great stuff. I don't know. I, I like this movie a lot. I like Jackie Moon a lot. Uh, so it, it, and it passed that test. So it's, it's my favorite of this batch we looked at. Good. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. And I think the only thing I had negative about it was like external to the movie. The, oh, yeah, it was the, the bear, bear stuff. Tragedy. Yeah. Which stuff. we don't need to yeah. bring up now. Why'd you bring it up? We talked about it. Enough. I have like, to bring it up now just to like put a little dark shade on this whole thing. Yeah, this whole thing. Uh, like you're number one. We're finishing off this podcast. A bear killed a person in real life. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> anyway, moving on to questions. No, it seems Jeez. glib. It seems so yeah. glib. <laughs> Sorry. It's just, yeah, it, it's it's extracurricular. It just kind of, like, I always do this. Like, I watch a movie I like, and then I go to the trivia to find out what's going on. Yeah. And then there's, like, a sad nugget there for you. Yes. Which is too bad. Yeah, it is too bad. So, yeah. Uh, there's no MVPs. It's Will Ferrell. He was the MVP of our Will Ferrell he, batch. This was one of those batches we talked about as we went along where it was, like, like man, it sucked. Like, maybe, we talked. you talked about this, like, how we should maybe consider not like taking away this MVP thing where, cause like sometimes it was like, I'm looking through these movies. I'm like, Will was just the the MVP so many times. I think it, I think it helped me like look deeper into some of the things that were working with Nicholas Cage's movies. Yeah. Like that worked okay. Yep. But these are like the comedian is why you're here. Like it's the movie was built with them in yep. mind. It's a vehicle for Will Ferrell. So to be like, Will Ferrell can't be a part of this. And it's like, well, I guess the person who wrote jokes for him maybe or something. Sure. But yeah, it, it gets a little dicier. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. In the future, if we look at a comic actor again, we might waive that rule because it, it kind of well, it might be something where we here. have to like uh, what we do is if we if we do make like the comedic actor, the MVP, we just say like our favorite joke from the movie type of thing or like our favorite. Sure. And just reminisce. I kind of think thing. the only one where it probably wouldn't have been Will was Everything Must Go yes. had like more seasoned actors in that realm but like beside him so they shone a little better yep. uh but yeah other yep. than that will ferrell yes uh, <laughs> yeah, it was his back question time yeah uh so we're both lonely island fans yeah uh so how do we feel about their new movie uh chip and dale rescue rangers which, which they again like I, is it like i i know i know uh Kiva directed it and Andy Samberg stars in it. Yeah. But like how much did Yorma have to do with this movie? Other than he's vo- the voice voices. of Batman. Yes. Which was funny. Yeah. It but is yeah, funny. He's, Batman versus E.T. Is little cameos really. He He's not in it extensively. Yeah. Because they yes, didn't. Batman and E.T. And none of, neither wow. of them. Like did Akiva I think was part of writing it. But I don't think anybody else was a part of writing it. I think it has a different credited writer entirely, but I still have to imagine their spin came to a lot of stuff because it, it struck yeah, me you're as right, funny they did. in a particular way. Um, but So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so I just don't... Spoilers, s- I guess. There's a lot of gags in here that are pretty out there. Yes. Uh, uh, I well, One specifically. Yes. I like, I like both of those guys. I like Andy Samberg quite a bit, and I like his voice especially. Mm-hmm. So I I I liked Chippendale. I'm I'm not going to say elated things that people are saying. I had vibes of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but I think Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a better movie. But I think this is the type of like, this is the type of cam like we live in a world right now where we have a lot of cameo culture going on in, in movies and people looking forward to cameos. And I was like, this is kind of like the Who Framed Roger Rabbit version of things, where it's like it serves the world building rather than actually just being like. Oh look! Oh look! Oh look! Kind of like Looney, like a uh, Space Jam two, 
kind of was just like a a look situation. Oh, yeah. I guess that has the kind of look, 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 but it's not really hidden in the margins. They're a little more like, look who we got. And it's like, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, whereas this one is when they get somebody, it's it's for a purpose sometimes, right? Like, or it's... Or when it crossed licensing lines beyond like the Disney characters you kind of expect to see, that was the stuff that was like, oh, wow, I can't believe they did that deal to get this character to appear for this gag. Yeah, exactly. Or even little stuff like the Looney Tunes, like Frozen Dinners or whatever. It's just like, huh, weird. But there's no Mickey Mouse in it, too, which I thought was kind of nice. It was just like they actually did open up because even there was one shot and you you might have been alluding to this one where it was like DreamWorks and Disney both on screen, like characters from both DreamWorks and Disney. Because it was the Seth Rogen as the Viking meeting Seth Rogen as a Pumbaa meeting the... uh, Praying Mantis and Bob from the DreamWorks films. Yeah, from like Monsters and Aliens or whatever versus Aliens. Monsters versus right? Aliens and and Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Uh, I, that, you kind of touched on a minor thing I felt like was a great idea and I wish it got fleshed out even more was the Uncanny Valley <laughs> idea yeah. with like uh, Seth Rogen's character. Yeah. It's just like you see a little glimpse of some other like characters acting weird and like walking into a fire hydrant or yeah. something. But I kind of wanted that whole neighborhood to have this like weird vibe, yeah. <laughs> but they don't really get to do that. No, you're right. Much. Like, cause it's just like it's so. kind of a throwaway gag uh, that that kind of like because it's Uncanny Valley, which is kind of like that's just where they are is in the valley, but it's Uncanny Valley. I they, I, uh-huh. I I think they want they had to cover too much ground because like they were not guaranteed a sequel. I think there's a chance of there being a sequel now, so you could get more of these things later on. But like, oh, further explore some concepts. But yeah, yeah, just because I feel like when you're like the way I kind of see this movie is like one giant ode to animation, because like our two main mm. characters are literally just purely animated, but in very different styles. And even right off the bat, I appreciated that quite a bit. No, like the CGI surgery thing yes. really threw me. I was like, wait, it's been decades, so now they look like this? And it's like, no, no, Dale had a procedure, and they yeah. go into that a little bit. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, or even uh, just like the whole shtick of like like ripoff, like the whole stick of like ripoff cartoon characters being part oh, of this, the like, bootlegging yeah. scheme behind it all. I kind of couldn't believe a Disney thing does that joke yeah. about like... Oh, Flounder got kidnapped and then his nose looks terrible and now he's in this. Now he's like, in like or spaghetti the little dogs. girl who looks like a fish under the sea and it's like, oh, this is Little Mermaid. But it's like, no, it's not Little Mermaid. We can't call it Little Mermaid. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, there's some weird like Eastern European bootleg of it. Yeah. And it's, it's like, that's pretty funny. It's pretty uh, funny, man. I The Winnie the Pooh one was like the saddest, weirdest one that made me feel really sad and weird. Oh, end. like they were actually working on it in yeah in yeah, the studio, but then it was like you saw voice. Winnie the Pooh, and it was like oh, oh Winnie, they really messed you up there, but like it's... well, they've been kidnapped by this yeah. this malicious thing. I think we were like enjoying like I think Sora's hair was one of the stolen things. Like yeah. there's dumb little jokes yeah. for stuff. But okay, speaking of video games, the biggest thing in this movie for us loved it every time he appeared. I can't I can't believe that they managed to put together a deal to get ugly Sonic okay. in this Nathan, movie. Nathan, I this got ruined for me. I'm so happy. Did it not get ruined for you? I had no oh, idea. Good. So like 
Dale's working this convention circuit and across the aisle from him, it like cuts to Sonic and it's like the trailer Sonic that got replaced. Yeah. And Brittany and I were just losing our minds. (laughs) That was a bit. And then he actually like go, they go back to him. He he becomes pretty major in the plot in the third act too. Right. I love it. Yeah. Chip, Chip has to talk to him. They have the same like uncanny thing with his mouth looking too human. It's, it's creepy. Like the human. And then he actually comes through with the FBI for them at the end of the movie and is stoked. And it was just like, this is, this is fantastic. So this, this got ruined because Disney released a clip like two days before on the internet. So this got ruined for me. I knew it was happening. I didn't know it was this depth of things, like how often he would show up in this movie. I appreciated Mm -hmm. that. But I was reading an article with Akiva and Andy and I guess the production studio behind the animation for this film also worked on Sonic. So they just had that character no, model? that's the thing. That was how the deal worked. They were allowed to rebuild it. In fair use, they were allowed to rebuild it. They couldn't use their rendering files from Paramount because Paramount owns okay. those. So they had to rebuild Sonic from scratch. That's why he's a little tubbier. He kind of looks a little like Gringy, but he clearly looks he's a like, little bit taller. Yeah, yeah. where he looks yeah. kind of like he, but he still very much has that look of being ugly Sonic. Uh, uh, but they they were like, we have to incorporate this because like because it is like a moment in history. Now we're like there was such a huge internet reaction to a piece of animation that they're like, like, why does he look like that? You got to <laughs> change it. And then like, have you, like, I, right, have we'll you ever gone back and watched that trailer? It is baffling why anybody ever thought that that was a good idea. So, I'm, I still marvel at the choice of song, too. It's pretty weird, but it, it, yeah, it's, um, it's like Gangster's Paradise. Yes. Uh, and it's that Sonic running around. I hear a rumor that Ben Schwartz was busy, but I want to believe that they were just like, no, we want Tim Robinson to play this guy. Because the guy who oh, plays okay. Ugly Sonic is very clearly like, just has a better like... That's just a bum. Like, that's not a successful human being voice, like, type of thing. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we kind of checked the credits after. It's like, did Ben do that voice? Like, no. that's crazy. Yeah, it was it's Tim like, Robinson. No, no, he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen, um, uh, he has a Netflix show. Anyways, it's, uh, I'll, I'll look it up. It's really funny. It's like a skit comedy show. He does a bunch of, like, little segments. And it's uh, okay. you should leave now with Tim Robinson is what it's called. I think I think you better leave or whatever. Yeah, I've, I've no, seen you ads should leave for now, it. I think. Anyways, he's it's really funny. He's he's a really funny guy. So I was happy to okay. see him. But I I'm so you liked it is what you're saying. Oh yeah, like it kind of had that kind of fun light uh, cop mystery thing of like a Zootopia. Yeah. Uh, or or like the Roger Rabbit thing, which they like lean into really early with just like I'm doing the Roger Rabbit with <laughs> Roger Rabbit. Whoa! It's like oh great, like anything can happen. Yeah. Uh, in this space or whatever, and I I do love that kind of mentality of the Roger Rabbit thing of like these cartoons are just working actors trying yeah. to make it there's <laughs> exclusive know? like ones like Mickey's exclusive to Disney and Bugs is exclusive to Warner Brothers like they just that's just how it works right uh but yeah that to kick that open into this like no they could run into each other and hang out or whatever like the dueling ducks or whatever yeah. in that movie so uh, i think the only thing that was like this isn't like perfectly syncing with who I am as a person is I never really cared about that show. I watched like Tailspin and oh, yeah, DuckTales yeah, yeah. way more. Yeah. No, so I didn't care about Rescue this- Rangers as, as well. I was, uh, mine was DuckTales and Darkwing Duck were my two mm-hmm. big ones. Tailspin I didn't yeah, love and- either. Like I didn't love Tailspin. Uh, Gummy Bears was the one I liked in the 80s. The Adventures of the Gummy Bears. Okay. Anyways, uh, but I, I still like remember 
I had memories of the show, so I was like on board with the concept of the idea too. Yeah, that kind of era of Disney Saturday morning stuff I definitely interacted with. Yeah. So this is from that kind of milieu. And I don't dislike those characters. No, no, no. It was just kind of like some of its specific nostalgic callback stuff was like, yeah, I know there was an NES game. I've heard it's good. I didn't play it. Like, yeah. you know, th- th- I'm sure there were pogs, but I don't know. Like <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah. so I just I so something to, to comment on this movie Versus another thing, because I, I I was thinking about, while I was watching this movie, I was thinking about Space Jam 2. Um, how Warner Brothers, like, when you watch Space Jam 2, they kind of, like, they fill it up with their own IP. Like, it's, like, very clearly, like, an advertisement for, like, hey, look at all the things we own. Whereas this right. movie, it was, like, no, it was, like, we don't own all these things. We just, like, all of these people came together for the love of appreciation of, like, animation animation in general yeah. kind of stuff and so yeah. we'll have competing characters competing concepts competing companies like dreamworks and pixar and disney are like pixar disney are big competing companies like shrek famously won the first like best animated feature movie away from monsters inc which is blasphemy in my mind but like they've been at each other and the fact that they like dreamworks contributed characters that they own to a disney movie is like that's a huge thing like i that's as that's in my mind as big as like, and that's where the Roger Rabbit comparison comes from. It's just like mm-hmm. as bugs showing up in a Disney movie type of thing. So, yeah, I guess it's the new generation of that, like kind of turning a corner on it or shaking hands in yeah. a cool way. Yeah, so exactly. It was, it in, a, in a more, <laughs> in a less legalistic way, because did you ever read about that? Like who framed Roger Rabbit stuff? Oh, like where it's like bugs and Mickey have to have identical screen time, I, frame time. Identical. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like like no one can be on screen for a, a single frame longer. Or than you the get, other like characters. they both have to come on at the exact same time. They can't introduce each other at different times. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was nuts. Anyways, and it's a fun little bit, but yeah, it's a little weird. Like the wrangling behind it. But I guess that had like the incredible power of like Steven Spielberg making sure that can happen. Yeah. I don't think I like knew this could pull this off or whatever no, when me I sat neither. down to watch no, it. No, honestly, because so there was a lot of surprises. The ugly Sonic, like I, I didn't even. So I assumed I was going to get into a movie with full of Disney references, like, like kind of like the Wreck-It Ralph breaks the internet thing, where it's like tons of Disney references oh, in this movie. Yeah, like there was an ad I saw at some point that was like, okay, Flounder's going to be in it and Peter Pan's going to yeah. be in it and stuff. That's cool. Yeah, but I didn't know how out of that realm they would get no because even all and the ads i think they still use peter pan in a really fun way but, uh yeah. all the ads were like oh look there's us like i was like excited about seeing scrooge mcduck playing in his pot of gold type of thing like that was the stuff i was getting excited for <laughs> so then for me to sit yeah. there and finally get and then i was like oh and then the uncanny valley like i was like oh cool they're gonna do some like commentary on animation too but then the fact that we got so many cameos from other studios like dreamworks and paramount was just like, and they they like name drop Polar Express, yeah. and I felt like Seth Rogen's character's like, is this Beowulf? Like, what are we doing yeah. here? Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's but like they Zemeckis do they, they straight style. up say like Polar Express in in a really but that's again that's a Zemeckis that I don't know. I was I was just happy. I was I had a big smile on my face. I thought the voice acting was great. John Mulaney playing a very sullen character kind of works perfectly for his voice and. Mm-hmm. 
Andy Samberg could have used a moment of follow up with his dog, like yeah. just to make sure they were doing okay. But whatever. And then uh, Andy Samberg, playing... Eric Bana as like Monterey Jack, yeah. was like just leaning into his Australianness <laughs> yeah. in a really silly way. It was fun. I don't know. So yeah, yeah, I was I was happy with it. Oh, the one thing that, that came out of the advertising. So when they announced this movie on Disney Plus a year ago, like when they first announced that they were making it with Akiva and Andy Samberg and John Mulaney. There's this image of like a, a stack of scripts and it was like a magnifying glass and it was a little tiny like like chipmunk size script that they were like, oh, look, Alvin and the Chipmunks Rescue Rangers, right? I mean, no, I mean, mm-hmm. sorry, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. But then under the pile of scripts underneath it, there was one that was sticking out and it said dark. Wah. And I was like. If we get this and this does well, does this mean we get a Darkwing Duck? Oh movie? yeah, I mean there is the Darkwing cameo at the end yeah. where he he gets everybody chanting or whatever, and I did care about that show more. So yeah, yeah if they want to play around in this world with with Darkwing, I would hundred percent be on board with that movie. So like make the franchise more like that era of Saturday morning shows, hundred percent movie world. No, like yeah. they have to know they have to know that there's a generation of of kids. That are now like mm-hmm. money paying people that would be like. This is what I found confounding about when I was at Disneyland, like most recently. Yeah. I was like, where's my dumb stuff that I can buy <laughs> pins and stuff for? Like, I don't care about this old stuff or this super new stuff. I want that like 1986 to 1994. Yeah. But like I think that's where they're maximized marketing. Honestly, I think this movie did so well for Disney Plus that they're, I think they're a little regretting not putting it in theaters. Okay. Because I think it would have done well in theaters because it was so critically loaded. Like critics, like all of critics are our age being like, oh, this is perfect. Like we grew up with these cartoons and then they nailed it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like I think we'll see a resurgence of like we were talking about Top Gun, how we'll get more legacy sequels because Top Gun Maverick did so well. I think we're Mm going to get more legacy reboots or updates with this Chip and Dale stuff. Great Mouse Detective 2. No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and it did That's start with for. that DuckTales new show that people did watch and like, like people my age were watching it. So, with okay. But yeah, hey, I'm so happy you liked it. Like, I was, I, I loved it. I thought I just had a good time. So, I was happy. Yeah. No, I, I was, I was pretty happy with it. Uh, we should, I guess, sort of to the later part of that era I just mentioned, the 1990s. Yeah, uh, we should probably tee up what we're doing next time around. Oh, for sure, it's uh, next batch time. Well, I actually uh, have a. This is actually kind of perfect because I was looking up a, a definition for high concept the other day, and so what we're okay. doing for our next batch of movies is uh, high concept action films with a focus on '90s movies, mainly because I think when we look at the '90s, we look at the biggest action films. They they're like no longer like rely upon star power. They more rely upon like, you'll still have a star, but it's like the concept behind like, like Harrison Ford is the president of the United States of America. And what's well, that, that post diehard kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like where it's like, he's not bringing like, Oh, I'm a champion bodybuilder to this or whatever. It's like, no, he's just some dude, but there's a cool idea yeah. as to why. There's so like action. So the high concept would be like, like, cause the idea, the idea of high concept is a simple thing that can sell an audience. So like, that's what a high concept means. A low concept is like more of a drama and like you have to get on board with what's happening. High concept is like a tagline that sells an audience. So it's like Harrison Ford is the president and Air Force One gets taken over by terrorists. It's like, 
one line of dialogue can uh, one line can explain the entire plot of the movie and you're on board or not. And so sure. that's essentially what we're going to be looking and it, at. Yeah, and it's a little more complicated than just like they kidnapped his daughter yeah. or there's revenge. Exactly. You know? That's like that's <laughs> almost like a all more... 80s 90 like 80s Arnold or Stallone movies was there's like revenge or kidnapping a friend. It's like something those plots. Yeah. And some of those are fun, but we want to get a little more Yeah, we want to go to like Stallone is a mountain climber and terrorists land on his mountain. Yes. Like, yeah. Like that's, that's exactly what we want to look at. That's exactly what we want to look at. So anyways, which is a good segue because that's the, that's what we're kicking off this batch with next week was, uh, right. is cliffhanger is, uh, 1993's cliffhanger starring Sylvester Stallone and John Lithgow. John Lithgow as Eric Quaylen. Eric so Quaylen. get ready for that. Yeah. Uh, he might be from England, but it's hard to know. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> he's just like, how do you play smarmy? Well, you have a smarmy British accent. Mm-hmm. So maybe he just went to school there or something. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's all for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. If you want to ask some questions or tell us about F1 racing, uh, you can email ronokavio.ca or nathanokavio.ca or tweet at Podcast. Or comment on our Instagram, uh, which we alluded to with the Bewitch thing, uh, OKVO Podcast. Um, and yes, next week it's Rennie Harlan is back uh, on the show. He This is before that happened, though, with Driven. So, you know, <laughs> probably better. Uh, 1993's Cliffhanger. Uh, until then, I'm Nathan. And I'm Ryan. And you know what they say, fortune favors the fortunate. 